Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court issues. But tonight I have got a very important guest on. Her name is Riley. She graduated from Slippery Rock with a bachelor's degree this summer. And her bachelor's degree is in philosophy and theater. She also has a job at Sherwin-Williams, where she also belongs in the women's group, where they teach investing and knowledge in all of uh, equipment knowledge regarding Sherwin-Williams. And she also has participated in soccer. And she also has a little art business on Facebook, and she'll tell you more about that. But she's a woman of many talents. She plays guitar, also writes her own music, lyrics. She really has it all down pat. Um, she also likes doing uh, PlayStation. Everyone's got a PlayStation. She does very well. And she has a wonderful family. And she's going to tell you about co-parenting and how all that has played out. Along, She also has one sister, but she's going to tell you and and it's good to have Riley on because she's going to teach us about co-parenting. Now, Riley is only 24 years old, but her knowledge is just uh, is, is great in the way that her parents handled their divorce. So Riley's here to tell us what worked for them. And if you have watched the film Erasing Family, where they discuss the Sweden model, her parents did the Sweden model a long time ago. And it works beautifully. So here's Riley. And she's Hi, man. Us. Hello. I'm so glad Thanks you're on. Thanks for having me. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be a fun, fun podcast. For sure. Um, I think this is something that's not talked about enough just because there are so many stigmas around divorce and everyone's always embarrassed to say, oh, my parents are divorced or um, I'm going through a divorce or people always avoid divorce. But I definitely think there are better ways to do it and um, worse ways to kind of go through that process. Um, but for me, uh, my parents got divorced when I was six. So I was pretty young when it happened. So I didn't really know at that time, just because I was so young about anything that was going on or how relationships were supposed to be, you know, you just based off of like Disney movies and how happily ever after. And, you know, that just doesn't always happen. But I just didn't know about their relationship going sour or however healthy or non healthy it should have been. But it came to a close one night when my mom and I were in our kitchen and she started freaking out and I was so confused and she was holding a bra on her hand and she's like, who's process? Who's process? And I was just in there really confused. And she's like, this isn't my bra over and over again. And she ended up calling my dad and she's asking him, who's process? Who's process? And he goes, oh, I was doing laundry for a friend at work. And we all know that's not what was going on. But I remember my mom um, hanging up the phone and I was like I want to talk to him I want to talk to dad and she's like okay so she calls him back and I said you know you just ruined this family you just ruined this family and you know that just really wasn't true it was an unfortunate event but um, that's definitely my earliest memory of the, of the divorce starting um, but as I kind of went through that process I learned that he really 
didn't ruin the family. And he actually went through a great process with my mom of the divorce, making it go as smoothly as they both could make it go. But that's how it kind of started. And your parents, um, they were living in one area, but your mom had to move back to um, Erie because she had family there. For a yeah, absolutely. So both my dad's parents and her parents and the rest of our family, for the most part, lived in Erie. And at the time, we were living in a place called Redding, Pennsylvania, which is about six and a half, seven hours away from Erie. So my mom had to make that tough decision um, with my dad. It was a collaborative one. He understood. He knew it would be best for both of us, um, for his kids and for his now ex-wife to go back where family is because that's the support system that we have. And as a single mom, he wanted my mom to have support and have additional resources that we could have somebody to watch off of daycare, free daycare, basically going to a grandparent. Um, having just the emotional support everybody needed. Um, the only reason why we were in in Reading to begin with was for my dad's work. So it really wouldn't make sense for all of us to stay there. It really, it made perfect sense for my mom to go home. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up, we were all relocated. Um, and I think after the divorce, it was nice just because I think I finally got some closure and understanding of what was going on. And um, they never had to go to the court. They never had to go to the court system to agree on child support. My dad offered, he wanted to, he knew it was responsible because he wasn't there for everyday life. He wanted my mom to be able to um, pay for all the things we needed for school, for clothes, for groceries, for whatever it may be that kids need right and the thing that was good well I mean no divorce is good and no one wants to go through that and put your kids through that but they handled it so smoothly um, you know tell us about driving three hours back and forth and how many times a, a month did you have to do that I think I was doing the drive um, I would say every other weekend, so once every two weeks or once a month, I believe. But the hour was, I mean, the hours total driving was six and a half or seven. So each parent would be driving three hours, three and a half hours one way, and then three hours, three and a half hours the other way. Um, so, but they both made an effort to do that and they agreed on doing that and just kind of went unspoken. They knew that's something that they needed to do and I think it was hard on everyone, um, especially knowing that you're going to go see your ex-lover, your ex-whomever, but you do that because you're a responsible parent. They never fought in front of us. They never made anything feel awkward. They didn't hold each other back. They always communicated to each other when it was necessary but the drive it was hard on everyone um mm -hmm. after seeing your ex-husband ex-wife or whatever you have to drive home alone for three hours that's probably really hard and it was always hard as for my sister and I because we never wanted to leave the one parent 
it was like we were so used to being with our mom we're like oh we don't want to go to dad's like we'll miss you and then once we're leaving our dad's we're like oh we don't want to leave our dad because we don't know next time we're going to see him or if we're only going to see him for a weekend and it was just kind of hard leaving both parents and I'm sure it was really hard for each parent to say goodbye to us Mm -hmm. so like you know like probably in the winter it was harder to do the drive because of you didn't know how bad the snow was going to be. Oh yeah. And that probably played a factor because maybe, maybe you missed a month of seeing him because of the weather being really bad. Yeah. And sometimes just things get in the way. I mean, as I got older, um, more things kind of happen. You join sports, you get friends, you, I was in the musicals and clubs. My sister was in a marching band. We, we all had things that we were doing. He was doing more things. He was working. He had another job on the side. It's just stuff gets in the way. And it's not like you can just take a day to spend with your debt. You have to actually invest a solid amount of time to make it worth the drive. So it wasn't, I was going to drive five or 30 minutes over to my dad's house. It's a whole day or weekend investment. So what happened in the summer? I mean, did you get like a month with him? Did you get, you know? During the summers, I typically would go down for around two weeks or so. So we would normally go down. They agreed. They did pretty well with us. um, We would go down. We agreed two weeks during the summer, two or three weeks depending on what we had going on and we would switch on and off for Christmases and for Thanksgiving so we were they try to be fair with getting each other for holidays but that has to be hard too you know not having your kids there for something so heartwarming like Thanksgiving or for like that meal or opening presents but we always tried to make the best of it um neither parent ever made me feel guilty for being one place over the other They always just said, we'll celebrate it the way that we can. They made life a new normal rather than resenting the old normal. So it helped me move forward along with my sister a lot. That was well put. That was your parents deserve gold medals for co-parents during a divorce and handling you guys and doing all this. This is a whole lesson for parents that are contemplating divorce, going through a divorce. You're teaching a lot of people how it should be done. And yeah, I think so too. And this is, we were titling this podcast, Divorce Done Right. <laughs> it's yeah. how we, we were titling this, uh, Divorce Done Right. And both par- both of your parents deserve a huge pat on the back because you said they, they always put their effort in, even though you know, like your mom's demeanor is soft and, and, and kind and, and super supportive. And your dad was too, and, but your dad was also work-driven and, exactly. and corporate-driven, but that's, that's, his, that's the way a lot of men are, and that's okay. I'm not saying that's yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys, my father was like that. So, you know, I don't see that as a bad thing either. Um, yeah, for sure. But they focused on, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely think that there were certain reasons why 
it works so well. And I, I'm going to say that I don't think any divorce is ever going to be perfect. I mean, I think there are going to be hardships in a lot of different places. But overall, I do think my parents did do the divorce right, <laughs> quote, right. unquote. Um, but I think you're exactly right. They both put effort in to each other. And for us, um, they really focused on all the love that they had for us. And that's where it should be at. Um, that's what I should be receiving on my end. She probably focused on all kinds of other things, but I didn't see that because it was for her. But for for me, I could tell that both of them were putting all the focus on the love for us and they never tried to take us away from the other parent. They never spoke negatively about each other. They never ever made us feel bad for going to one place over the other. They were always Fair, and they always talk really nice about each other. Like I remember getting into a fight um, with my mom or the phone just because she was nitpicking at something. I, I was a teen at the time, so it was just—it's just that age. And I remember being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like my mom is being so unreasonable and this and that about my mom to my dad, and she was like, "No, no, you can't talk about your mom that way." And any time that I would be like, "Oh my gosh, dad, I haven't seen him in a while. Like he doesn't call me enough," and my mom goes, well, you know what? He goes out of his way to do a lot for you. So they still stick up for each other, even when they're not around. They would never say a bad word about each other um, that wasn't deserved. So it was, it's really nice to have two supportive parents that way. And they always kept communication with each other. Imagine communicating with someone that you're now broken up with, you're no longer married to yeah. it probably is really hard and they kept communication clear and open and they did that for us to make sure we were getting what we needed if we needed something from the other parent that we couldn't communicate they did that for us so I mean obviously until we were old enough to do it for ourselves because all of us need to move on at some point but they did that for us which is super important and that's leading on to another thing of that everybody does move on both of them took measures to move on and when they did there was no hardship about it there was just understanding um, both of my parents are remarried now and I just feel like they made it a very smooth and easy process right and you said something super important where you said they kept communication open. Like if, mm -hmm. if something happened to you at school, your mother would call your father and say, hey, you know, Riley fell at school and I had to take her to the emergency room yeah. just so you know, mm -hmm. and everything's fine. And this is what the doctor said, <laughs> you know, things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even when I was in high school, um, I was I'm in this bad relationship for a couple of years and I remember just ending it I finally just ended it one day needed to be done but I took it really really hard it was really hard for me and I remember my mom she called my dad even when I was in high school she called my dad and she said you know this is what Riley's going through um she might not come out and say that to you but I think it's important for you to give her a call and I think that's important and responsible because she is letting him in the loop. If mm -hmm. I would be cold to him or distant, she's kind of giving him information on me because he, she knows that he cares and he would appreciate that information. That is, that's really good to hear. I mean, yeah. it just, 
it's just so important. Um, like when your father remarried, you know, what did you think of the, the stepmother? Did you clash with the stepmother? Because a lot of kids sometimes clash with the <laughs> stepmother from what, I, from what I've heard on my end. I mean, on yeah. mine. <laughs> but just. Well, it was a little bit harder for me to accept just because the, the woman that my dad cheated on my mom list is now my stepmom. So at first, I was kind of confused by the whole thing because I was younger. So I just kind of accepted her. That was nice. And I was happy and things were good, but I didn't really understand. And that was the same way as my stepdad as well, because both of them were kind of dating around the same time. But I kind of accepted all of it at first. But as soon as my dad and my mom both got engaged, it finally hit me. And all of a sudden, I felt like I couldn't like my stepmom and I couldn't like my stepdad, even though they didn't really do anything wrong to me. I was just like, you know what? Why is it like this? And I think that divorce happens in stages and phases for everybody, um, because I'm sure it was hard for my dad and for my mom to see the other person get engaged, even if they were dating somebody, you know, that person used to be your person. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a big like line of phases but I just remember specific things from both sides of my mom's relationship with my stepdad and my dad's relationship with my stepmom with my dad and my stepmom it was one night where he said I don't know why you're acting like this because he pulled me aside because I'm sure I was acting out um and he said I don't know why you're acting like this I don't know why you don't like her and I was never actually mean to their face but I I wear my expression on my sleeve I can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he goes, what's wrong? Like, what is wrong? And I just remember crying and telling my dad, you know, I wish that you and mom were still together. And he, he automatically got upset just because he's being defensive and he's not always the best with emotions. And he said, well, what, what do you want me to do? Tell her to leave? And I said, yeah. <laughs> Of course, that didn't go over well. But I think after that moment, and after I saw my dad and my stepmom get married, I finally realized that it was happening, it was real, and I needed to accept it. And after that, I feel like it was a lot easier for me. But the same with my mom and my stepdad. Um, it was at their wedding is when I kind of realized it. I'm like, wow, I wish this wasn't happening. And I didn't have anything against my stepdad, but it just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel normal. It didn't feel like my dad, but I also remember my stepdad coming to me and he's like, why don't you like me? Like, you know, really upset. My Aww. mom was gone for the day. And after that moment, I completely changed everything because he actually came up to me and talked to me. And um, I remember apologizing to him and I never again was mean to them. It was just communication through my parents to my step parents that they knew but I just adjusted really well. And the more I adjusted, the more I realized that I had really awesome people in my life. And I was super excited to go and see them, my step-siblings, um, just because I have step-siblings on both sides. And it was just an adjustment. It was like I had a growing family. And the longer that I grew up with that, the more normal and okay it was for me. And I'm very, very close with my stepdad now. He's like another dad to me, just because I lived with my mom for and my stepdad for over 12 years, maybe 14 years. So he became like another dad to me. Um, so I, I have all these new awesome people in my life. Mm -hmm. So 
And I'm sure for my dad, um, the stepkids that he has there, because he's six hours away, I'm sure the stepkids there think he's like another dad to them, mm-hmm. which I'm happy for because it makes me feel like they have a gym in their life, my stepdad. So it's right. nice to know. You were probably like around 11 and maybe 12 years old when your parents remarried, probably around yeah, there. Yeah, I think I was like nine. Oh, even younger. Nine-ish. Yeah. That's, that's kind of hard to, when you're going through that, I would mm-hmm. think, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, at the time when I was, like when my parents first got divorced, I didn't really know anyone with divorced parents. Mm-mm. So I didn't understand. I was just too young to really know. I was six. So I didn't really understand what was going on. But right. as it, I got older, it was clear. Yeah, cause, you know, they say when you're real little, you you just don't understand. Everyone's confused at that age. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I, I never had to go through that. My parents had stayed married and uh, they probably shouldn't have, <laughs> but they yeah. stayed married, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, a happy home. Yeah, that's what happens too. And, you know, I always say people are like, oh, do you wish your parents didn't get divorced? And when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I wish they didn't get divorced. But now I'm like, I am happy they got divorced. I want both of my parents to be happy. They deserve to be happy. Now that I'm aware that I create my own happiness, that's what they did for themselves. They moved on. They created a new life that was best for them. And in turn, they were happier, which they were nicer to me. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right. But in all honesty, if somebody's happy, that, that makes you happy because you're living around people who make your life just have this happy atmosphere. And I would rather have that than a fighting. And I wouldn't know what love was. And I wouldn't know how a happy home should look like if right. they wouldn't have been divorced. So it just, I'm glad that they did. And I think that it's a shame that it's not talked about enough. Right. So what, like when you were in high school, there were some probably kids that were from divorced homes, but no one really talked about it. Yeah, did they no talk one really about- talked about it. Everyone thinks just because you're older now that you should be over it. But there are still lots of aftermath, even years later, that people don't talk about. Um, For me, it was not feeling close to my dad in high school. I even, even kind of now, I don't feel as close to my dad just because I lived with my mom for a very long time. Um, I'm on my own now, but I... I lived with my mom and my stepdad for like 14 years. So I spent more majority of my time with my mom and my stepdad and step siblings there. So it automatically creates this unknown kind of unwilling distance with the other parent, just because you're not spending as much time with them. But it was just the little things that bothered me. Like my dad couldn't really go to any of my soccer games or come to my musicals sometimes or know if I had a bad day or what my current favorite TV show was or anything like that. And it made me feel distant with my dad. And it made me feel sad because I'm like, this isn't normal. I shouldn't feel distant from my dad. And sometimes we go a month or two without talking. And Mm -hmm. not because we don't love each other or we don't want to. It's just because we have our own lives. And 
just the way that life goes sometimes. Do you think um, now that you're all grown up that you're searching for some emotional security in, in life in some form? I feel like, especially when I was going through it, um, right when my parents got divorced, I feel like I was looking for a masculine figure in my life, um, protective figure. I remember my mom moving into a new house and I didn't feel safe ever. And I don't know if it was because I didn't have him in the house. We didn't have a man there. I know that's not necessarily always the case. And not saying that women can't be protective, but I was just used to my dad filling that role. So when that was gone, I felt like I was looking for a protective masculine figure. And now that I am older and I am in a current relationship of two and a half years, I feel like I look for certain attributes and elements from my significant other to kind of take care of me in certain ways that maybe wouldn't be if I, my parents didn't divorce and they were happily ever after, you know. Do you think you're, you're demanding of your boyfriend, like, I don't know, put more demands on him if, if this hadn't happened, you, you wouldn't be putting demands on him, to, you, know, you know, of certain expectations? I feel like I'm more demanding in random needs of comfort and attention, kind of. Um, I feel like I've always tried to get attention ever since my, my parents got divorced because um, I did like theater and stuff like that and <laughs> loved to perform and mm -hmm. play soccer and just perform in any way that I could to kind of look for at least positive attention. But from my significant, significant other, I feel like I do look for attention in ways, but his parents are divorced as well. So mm -hmm. he feels like it's almost like his job to do that. So I don't know if it would be different if his parents weren't divorced. Um, it's pretty interesting to think about, but his dad was very comforting and he didn't have that either growing up. So him feeling like to be that man, for me, he has to be protective and comforting and give the attention that I need in ways because he just kind of gets it. Right. And you also took on a puppy. Tell yeah. us about a puppy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I mean, that's, that fills an emotional void <laughs> as well. How about oh my you? gosh, for sure. His name is Murphy. He's a beagle. He, we think he's a purebred, but he's 40 pounds and very lean. So I think he has a mixture of some coon hound or something in there too. But nice. he is actually registered as my emotional support animal because interestingly enough, ever since my parents got divorced, I never wanted to be alone. Mm -hmm. I never liked being alone. Um, I don't I never got any joy out of it when I was younger and I've gotten better at being alone but I've kind of learned a few tips and tricks to do that <laughs> and I have Murphy now so he helps me kind of with that so you and your boyfriend you don't live together nope we don't live together we lived together for a year when we were both going to college but I graduated early he wanted to get out of the town, so we both just kind of moved to Minnesota, and I chose to live in my own apartment. Well, he lives with his mom just because we're in crazy times of COVID, and his classes are online, so he's not at university, and um, he lives with his mom, 
so he doesn't have the funds to be able to like live and contribute to living in an apartment, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And he's got all those classes he has to get through and he'll be graduating. I, I think you told me in two years. Yep. Two years. So like a year and a half almost now. Right. Um, I just graduated a year early. So he was only one year behind me, but after I graduated, he was now two. That's, and he's your same age? He is one year younger than me. So he is 21. Oh, he's still just a baby. You guys are just he's babies. He's a baby. You're, yeah. Yeah. I robbed the cradle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seems very nice. Uh, when I had met him, he just seems like a very nice fellow. And um, you were just lucky. You, you've known him earlier, though. In, in oh, your yeah. life through the gaming oh, yeah. I've known through him the for like six years. Yep, yeah. yep. I met him through gaming. Um, Xbox, we met right? PS4. Oh, game. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, we were just gaming friends for years, and then finally, I was like, let's let's go meet him to my mom, and she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we met him like for four years after I've known him, and it just clicked. We clicked. We fell in love, and we've been together ever since. Right, because I remember a picture on Facebook of you and your mom getting ready to fly out to California, I believe. Yep, I can I thought, see the picture that you're, you're talking about in my head, because it's one of the most special moments like of my life. That was awesome. And that was great of your mom to, oh, yeah. to say, you know, let's go meet this person because you've known him. Might mm -hmm. as well meet him and see what happens. Oh, yeah. And she's FaceTimed him with me hundreds of times and she loved him as much as I did so she was ready for me to meet him she knew I needed the additional support in my life and we flew and we met him and it was like a magical trip so her and I we would both never take that back it was a great trip for us and I think he I think in my opinion I think he liked you for a long time oh he did <laughs> he did but I was never you know I was number four doing long distance because I'd never done it before and I was so young and I didn't know. And, but after I met him, I knew. So we did long distance for like six months and then he moved actually to PA to be with me. And then we lived there for a year and a half about, and then now we're both living in Minnesota. And he comes and checks on you. Even though you're in your own apartment, but he pops mm -hmm. over and oh I think yeah, he hung a plant for you. He did something oh, yeah. nice <laughs> for you. He, he anytime he spends the night and I have to go to work the next day, he'll do my dishes, take out my trash. He likes to do like the manly things for me. He likes to build things, like he built my coffee table, and my desk, and put my TV and stuff together. And he just likes to do things for me, carry stuff up for me for my car because I'm on the third floor. Um, wow. And he, he called like my Wi-Fi provider the other day to see if he can make the connection work better. He just does those little things for me and it, I really appreciate him. He's a good guy. I see him probably once or twice a week, um, but if it's once, I'll, I'll spend the weekend with him. Well, that's good. That's good because, yeah. you know, you're you're dating, yet you're taking it slow. You're not rushing into it because, because of, of your parents' divorce. You're yeah. not, um, you know, chomping at the bit to yeah, have a man sure. around. 
yeah, that's something that Diego and I have even talked about. Um, he's like, if I marry you, you're mine, baby. Like, you're going nowhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want it to end in divorce. We really don't. I mean, for his parents, it was harder because he's Guatemalan. He's from Guatemala. So when his parents divorced, his dad still lives in Guatemala. So his parents are in different countries. Mine were six hours away. His are in different countries. Imagine the distance there. Wow. Having to fly to oh, go to your wow. parents. So he would spend the summer. He'll spend the whole summer there or spend the whole winter break with his dad. But it's only twice a year he gets to see him. And he lives with his mom. He's closer with his mom. That's how it goes. In his head, he has constant battles of kind of the two different environments that each parent gets off because his dad is very traditional Catholic, Guatemalan, traditional guy. And his mom is very, very with it. She's very modern. She's very um, against the traditional cultures of being a Guatemalan woman. She works full time. She's a breadwinner. She has a remarried. She doesn't date. She doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. She makes like $200,000 a year. Um, she works for 3M. She's worked for 3M for over 30 years. She's a very successful woman. She hires people to clean her house. Um, she doesn't do lawn work. She doesn't do any of that. Totally against the norms of Guatemalan women. And she's very progressive, but his dad is very traditional. So in his head, it's Diego's head, my boyfriend, he fights between what is right, what's wrong, and kind of adapts to the different cultures and environments going from one parent to the other. So it's pretty interesting how divorces in different countries or cultures really works too. That is something I didn't even think about. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because he's got to <laughs> go back. You know, he's coming back to America from visiting his father. Yeah. And go back to the norm there and mm -hmm. adjust. Is that, is that hard for him to do that when he comes back or not? It depends. Um, sometimes I notice he's a little cockier when he comes home back to the States just because in Guatemala, it's kind of like women are less than and men are the best. Like they're awesome. Um, they're used to having housekeepers. So if you didn't have a housekeeper, you are a housekeeper. Um, that's kind of how it goes in Guatemala. So he's very entitled to a lot of those things, everyday life that a lot of Americans aren't mm -hmm. um, because his, his dad is pretty well off too. So he lives in a safe part of Guatemala. Um, it's a third world country, but all places have nice areas. Right. All places have bad areas, but he lives in a safe zone in like a gated community. So he's always kind of been pretty well off and he sometimes can be a little spoiled when he comes home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like, do you make him cookies or do you cook for him <laughs> or does he cook for you? You know what? Just recently too, he has been saying to me for some reason, I, he says it's a joke, but I'm kind of scared. So he's like, oh, so if I put a ring on it, are you going to cook for me? Like, if I, if I marry you, will you like make me food? I'm like, I do make you food. And he's like, yeah, but like every day. 
And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to take turns cooking. We're going to take turns cleaning. I said, I like to cook. I like to cook. I enjoy cooking. And I do things for you. But is that something you actually expect, Diego? And he goes, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> I'm well, like, we'll see the ring first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see if we can see the ring first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I with, need some bling. You're right. See, because he sees his mother working, then, you know, you're working, American women work. A lot yeah. of, oh, a lot of. I think he finds that very attractive, that right. um, I'm really hardworking and I put myself out there to be successful. I work in a way to make myself successful. Right. And you bring something to the table and when he graduates, he'll get a job. He'll bring something to the table. And that's really how it exactly. should be. It should be a working unit. Yeah, I think it gives him motivation to kind of do better, you know, and I, I like that. I think a relationship should bounce, we should bounce each other out, and mm -hmm. we're, Diego and I are like total, not opposites, but like we're on different ends of the spectrum. He is not even the same culture that that I am. Um, we have such different cultures, like his Christmas compared to my Christmas, different things. I want to go caroling and look at Christmas lights and drink hot chocolate. He wants to go to the beach because he's used to being in Guatemala. Oh, no. he, he wants to go to the beach and wants fireworks. He wants to, the way that they do Christmas is that they open all their gifts at midnight on the 24th. But we open all of our gifts the 25th and they stay up till like three in the morning, the 24th. <laughs> with all of their family because they have huge families and everyone is close. So it's like, it's hard for us to enjoy each other's holidays the same because they're always different. Like this year, his mom, she doesn't cook. So she's actually buying half of her Thanksgiving meal from a local grocery store <laughs> and she's buying the turkey, the stuffing. And she, she comes to me and she goes, Oh, so what are you cooking for Thanksgiving? Cause she loves that I cook. And she loves my food. And I was like, okay, I'll cook something. I'm, I'm making mashed potatoes. I'm making um, a vegetarian dish because his brother is coming and he's vegetarian. And I'm making macaroni and cheese. So I'm making all this stuff. Like, it's just different worlds. My mom would be up like the night before preparing stuff to put in the oven the next morning. She knows that the turkey needs this, that. Like, it's a different world. It is. Well, I don't know. My husband and I, we're going to order out from Bob Evans. That's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Honestly, during COVID and stuff, it's like, what else are you going to do? You're not going to be with your, all your family. Our Thanksgiving is going to be really small, too. We just have more people because there's more kids. There's Diego has two other brothers. Um, and Diego's brother, one his oldest one, is bringing his girlfriend. And I'm coming, and his mom will be there. So there's going to be quite a few of us. So, so then you're not going to see your parents for this Thanksgiving because you're too far I'm away. I'm not. Nope, I'm not. I'll see them for um, the week before Christmas. And then Christmas, we were going to go to Guatemala. But because of COVID, we cannot. And I'm very sad because I have not traveled there yet. But it's okay. We're going to go during a time that we can actually enjoy ourselves. They actually have a curfew going on. I can't remember the time, but I believe it's from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's the only time that you can, or no, 4 a.m. Yeah, 4 to 4 p.m. Those are the only times you can be out. So after those times, you will be put in jail. 
and people said, oh, that's, that's not real. Well, the first week of it going on, like hundreds of people were put in jail because oh my they God. didn't think it was real. So we wouldn't be able to enjoy ourselves the same way. Um, two of his grandparents aren't the healthiest. Someone's on oxygen. And then the other one actually just had two tumors found. So we, I don't, we don't think they're cancerous, but he's still not doing very well. Oh, so it just wouldn't be worth it to go put people at risk. What if we got stuck there? Right. It wouldn't be a good time to go. So we're all going to Florida. His dad is potentially flying from Guatemala to Florida. And his mom rented a beach house for a month. So people can just come pop in and pop out whenever they want to say hello. Keep not, as, not too many people in the same house as once because of COVID. And we're still going to enjoy ourselves and have a good time and be around family for Christmas. So, Well, that's good. See, you're working it out now. <laughs> yeah. You're working everything out. And I'm sure it's hard for your parents to not to be able to see you. Like, But, uh, but a lot of parents are going through this. You know, you go, the kid goes oh, through college and then they move sure. away. It's, it's just a, an empty nester feeling for moms and dads everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I'm the youngest. So I think it was hardest yes. on both my parents when I was done. They're like, oh my gosh. But I, one thing that I did appreciate that my dad did, that my dad really didn't have to do, is that he always paid child support. But after I turned 18, he willingly continued to give me that money until I graduated college each month. So he was giving me that money to pay for college. And he willingly did this since you were six, too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it was between both your parents. They did not involve anybody. They didn't involve the courts. They stayed out of the... the... No, yep, no. And my mom never asked for more. She never asked for less. Um, my dad paid half for things. He paid for half of my braces. He paid for um, like a new phone that I would need or glasses or just different needs during my life he always contributed and that was that meant a lot I'm sure to my mom and to me definitely and As, he also did this for my sister too so the both of us right so do you think you know um with all that has happened in your life has this made you more driven to be successful in your own personal life I feel like I am more driven to have a successful relationship, for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel like I know a lot of red flags of when a relationship isn't working. And I just don't want to go through it. I know it's something that won't be the end of the world because I have witnessed it myself. But I don't want to go through that because sometimes if you're not with the right person, maybe the divorce will not go as smoothly. Maybe the other person will not be cooperative. Um, it's very, I guess, situational. So it's kind of tough to say, but I feel like I'm definitely more driven to succeed and be independent and rely on myself as well. And I feel like that's really empowering, especially since I've been living by myself for the last few months. And I started working full time in a professional job career. It's it makes me feel empowered and proud. And I feel like a lot of that came from both my parents. Mm -hmm. 
At any time in your life, did you feel you had to go to counseling for, you know, certain, you know, just issues that would pop up? Yes, for sure. When I was young, there's a very strange reason. But when I was young, I think it had to do with my parents being divorced and not having that protective figure around. But I could not sleep. I don't know what it was. I could not sleep because I had a fear and phobia of vomiting. I still to this day have a huge fear of throwing up. And I don't know why. I, I could never drink in college with my friends. I can't eat food from a weird gas station or airport. I'm very, I chew my food thoroughly. I'm still that way to this day. But for some reason, I thought that in the middle of the night, I would get sick and I couldn't go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And it was the idea connected with being alone at night. I didn't mm -hmm. like being alone in my room. If I had a friend over, I would get anxious if they fall asleep before me. I had issues with being alone. Mm -hmm. I, I had issues with people not being there or like my dad not being there, people leaving. I have attachment issues and concern that way. So I saw a therapist for a couple months and it, it went away and it was fine. But through life, I think I have been to therapy three or four times mm -hmm. on my personal willing self. So I was never forced. Um, but my mom was always very open about it. She always wanted me to talk about things. She was always supportive. And I think it's very important that even if you have nothing major going on, they have somebody to talk to if things get hard or just on a monthly basis or every other month. Um, it's really nice to have a life coach, somebody to guide you, somebody to teach you things you didn't even know that you were missing in your life. Um, and it's nice to have somebody listen to you that you can check in with. And nobody's life is perfect. Everybody has their own sorrows and heartache, even like, even if they think somebody else is worse out there, that doesn't, that shouldn't invalidate your feelings. So I think it's really important to kind of go through therapy, but for sure, I definitely have, and I still currently am. So like, as far as um, what, what advice for people your age, you run into someone you know, so that maybe you're working with and they start talking about things like this, do you give them advice? Talk to them about what you went through and offer advice um, to them? If it's somebody who's going through a bad divorce, their parents got divorced and they're still living with it. I would have to say that it's, it's out of their hands. As the child, it is out of their hands but it is also up to them to make sure they know the difference from right and wrong, at least their own perception. Because sometimes when there's unhappiness, sometimes it can be pushed onto others um, with parents. And as I think it's important for the child to stay strong and to know the difference between right and wrong. I didn't have to do that just because my, both my parents were very transparent and worked really hard to make the divorce not so much of a bad thing, but a, a progressive thing. But some parents don't do that. So I would just tell them to kind of stay strong and start, start living for you and realize what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell us, what does the future you know, hold in your life? What do you see happening and what you want to accomplish in your life? I, I know that's a big question. Like, 
Yeah, it is. It is. But even as a kid, I never knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And the more and more I went through life, and this is really a lot from my mom, she just always said, find something that makes you happy. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. It's Mm -hmm. just being happy. And you can get yourself stuck in this pattern of doing things for others that aren't necessarily for you. And it can make you really unhappy. So that's, that's still my goal. Um, one of my goals is to just do things that make me happy. I want to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get married to my boyfriend, Diego, and get a house with him. We have plans of eventually getting another fur baby, a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I'm kind of just trying to live in the now. I, I don't have many many um small or really big goals besides those because I'm trying to live every day and live without any major expectations right that's what you should be doing living for sure I think a lot of people are thinking two weeks ahead of what's going to happen in two weeks and yeah I think it's important to have a small plan but I think it's even more important just enjoy the ride open your eyes people look what's around you right now stop thinking about the grocery list you need to get tomorrow or that you need a test done on friday think Mm -hmm. about right now where you are because that's the only reality that you have nothing else is the past the future those don't even exist so and the unhappiness of anything, any trauma, divorce. I mean, people say this too shall pass. Oh, yeah. Can you agree with that? I totally agree that it will pass because if you have your head in the sand thinking about the past, the whole world is moving on without you and you are going to be stuck and you are going to be unhappy and you are going to be doing it to yourself. And I definitely think it's okay every once in a while to take some time for yourself and just sit and be there. Mm -hmm. But it's very important to be responsible and take care of yourself to lift yourself out of that place and push yourself forward because the world will go on without you and the world doesn't stop because you are. This was an awesome podcast. What? I'm just so thrilled with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What can you say to parents that are maybe listening to this and contemplating divorce or they have just finished their divorce and maybe they're not going to go through the Sweden model? Um, What advice would you tell them to do? I would say... Take a step back because I'm sure you're emotional. I'm sure there are first problems that arise in your head when you think about your divorce. But if you have kids, you need to realize that your divorce is not the only one. It's not affecting only you. It's affecting the people in your life, especially your kids. They're not going to understand at first, especially if they're young. I think it's important to be honest throughout the whole process. Because kids want that. They deserve that. You're their parents. And if they ask you, they're asking because they want to know. 
I think it's important for kids to be able to set boundaries with their parents. And a lot of parents don't want to set boundaries with their kids or allow their kids to set boundaries with them because they don't think they have the authority to, which is completely false. Um, so I think it's important to let your kids set boundaries with you and let them have those moments of being sad or confused and try and be there for them. Put the, put the focus on the love for your kids and try and be as understanding as you can be because I'm sure, I'm sure you as a parent, you're hurting but so are your kids. And it's your job. When you became a parent, you are going to take care of them in the best way and raise them in the best way that you, you can. So that is what you need to do as a responsible parent. It's one of your duties. And I think even if it's hard, because both my parents kept communication, even if it's hard for you to talk to that person, at least do it every once in a while, send a note with your kid, do something to make sure that certain lines of communication are done and set boundaries with your ex-significant other. Talk about how things are going to be. You need to be able to adjust, find some type of structure and be able to move forward. Nobody can move forward. Everything's all over the place and there's no really set sound way of life. It doesn't work that way. People need a routine. They need structure. So I think those things are are really, really important. Is there, oh, any final words? Um, where can people find your Facebook page with your artwork? Oh, yeah. Um, so basically what it is, is this little page, because I used to live in Erie, PA. So I have beach glass from Lake Erie, and sometimes I pick up the beaches. So I pick up trash and I keep some of the trash that's plastics or like sometimes I find weird things like hair barrettes or little flowers and I keep them and I make art out of it. Um, so my page is on Facebook and it's called Washed Up Creations by Riley. And you can just search that in there and um, it should just pop up. That's really cool. Your artwork is really unique and uplifting and fun. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it totally is. I love it too. It makes me really happy to do that. Um, I've sold out a couple craft shows and it was fun. That's great. And your mom has found you frames to frame oh, yeah. your work. She's good oh, at yeah. that. She's good at finding stuff. She's great. I know. <laughs> she is. She sends me links. She's like, oh, just, you know, frames are on sale. She's always thinking about me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I remember your graduation party. Uh, my husband and I went to your graduation party because I made you a hippo that blue hippo. Yes, I love my hippo. <laughs> and I remember sitting there with my husband and I saw your father and your stepfather. They were playing one of those outdoor games with the Oh uh, my bean gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah, with the bean bags. Uh yes. anyway, but and I I said wow. I said if if all step parents and parents can do this, it would be uh, such a better I world. Know. My stepdad and my dad get along weirdly well, but funny enough, um, my mom was friends with my stepdad, Jim, when she was married with my, with my dad, but as like teenagers, all of them were friends. So they all lost touch over the years. And my mom was on a dating website and she just connected with Jim, <laughs> my stepdad. And she's like, oh my God, I know him. And she has like hilarious stories of him in high school and in college and stuff just because he used to be such a weirdo <laughs> but now um 
they really took the time to get to know each other. And he is one of the best men in my life. Yeah. See, and you said an important thing is they took the time. They didn't jump into a, no, a relationship. No. They, they didn't quickly marry within six months. I mean, <laughs> yep. my mom made it very clear that she didn't want to date because she didn't want to force anything too quickly on her for her and for her kids, my sister and I. She mm-hmm. said, I waited many times before I even introduced my kids or had the guy that I was dating over to the house. She was very particular about it because she wanted us to have stability. She, right. I think she knew that at first she, she had a date with Jim and it was going, going. She said he was kind of awkward because he was nervous and she thought he was kind of weird, but the second <laughs> date was better. The third date was great. And then as time went on, she's like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to marry him. So she brought him to the house and we met him and we loved him. We were, we just acted like it was another family member at the house when we met him. And when we met his kids, it was even better. All of us got along so well. Uh, Ironically, my stepbrother is the exact same age as me. And my stepsister is the exact same age as my sister. So we were both in the same grade. Literally my stepbrother and I are nine days apart. Nine days. We looked like twins. People thought that we were twins. They're like, oh, do you have twins? Because we both have big blue eyes, the brown hair. We have the same height, similar smile. They're like, oh my God, you guys look like twins. Everyone thought we were when we were younger. And would also, yeah, he plays guitar. You play guitar. Yeah, we're both into music. Um, (laughs) We're pretty similar. So it's kind of weird, but we we got along right away. It was really good. Everything turned out good for both your parents in meeting their future spouses after all of this, you know. Absolutely. It took some time and it was hard for everyone, but it was so worth it. So I'm going to end this podcast because I know you have to go to work. I think, well, you have tomorrow off, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you go anyway, so you can enjoy your evening and I won't <laughs> suck up any more of your time. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate Marianne. You're really educated in all the things you talk about. So. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I'll have you back on again for an update, maybe in a couple months. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to. Well, great. Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what goes on in the uh, family courtrooms and parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption. And please join us again in the future, again with Riley in the near future, we hope. Okay. So good night, Riley. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.